Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for another Rolling Dice and Taking Names. On this episode, the guys review War Chest, bring us another Flying Squirrel segment, and bring us the Toy Hall of Fame nominees. Hey, look, the corn poppers won. Marty, where is our corn popper? I got rid of that thorn toy a long time ago. And welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 154, October Trees. I'm Tony. You know, I really should have asked you what the name of this episode was before we started, because like, right as you started, I went, wait a minute, I don't know what you're calling. This is Marty, by the way. I've never heard a song called October Trees. Okay, so first off, it's always on the episode planning document where I type in the name of the show. Oh, you did write it in. Did you write it in there right before we started, though? No, about 11 o'clock this morning. Oh, I guess I should uh, check Slack more often. Well, it was one of Barry Manilow's songs about October, and then it changed to October Trees by Ron Pope, which, guess what? What? It has nothing to do with this show. Absolutely nothing. I just, Well, it does because it came out in October. That's the only thing that it has to do with this show. That's it. Oh, you know what? I missed a total tradition this year. Every year on September 1st, I listened to September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I did not listen to that song until September 21st, and I'm really disappointed in myself. Things are shifting, man. I mean, you can't keep track of everything. I mean, I completely forgot about Talk Like a Pirate Day in September until somebody texted me. Completely forgot. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, as of this recording, it was like last week. I say probably in a couple of years, that's going to go by the wayside. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of um, chit-chat or buzz about it online. Used to when... Uh, it was talking like a pirate day. Everybody on social media was doing it. And then, like you said, it, it kind of came and went without anybody really acknowledging, except maybe saying arg once. In fact, there was a poll uh, in our guild uh, talking about talk like a pirate mm-hmm. day and how do people treat it now? Most people just said, I say arg once and I move on. And, and unless there's free stuff to it, but I'd rather dress like a cow to get free Chick-fil-A or go into Krispy Kreme and get a free donut than Long John Silver's to get fish. Can I tell you about that? This past month was dressed like a cow day. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't have a Chick-fil-A restaurant in your area, every, is it every, just once a year? Anyway, once at least a once a year. Okay. They have a thing where you dress up like a cow, you get a free entree. Now it used to be a lot better, Tony. It used to be a free meal. Mm-hmm. It used to be the, the full combo drink and fries, but now it's, it's just an entree. So to dress up like a cow, most people will like put on a white t-shirt or something and put on black spots. And that's typically what we do. Vanessa has a full collection of Velcro or felt black spots that she's cut out and kept over the years. So on this night, we we put on our outfits and everybody's got the spots on and we get into Chick-fil-A. We walk up to the counter and uh, we are like so happy and everything. And, and we order the two entre- our entrees and the guy goes, okay, that'll be like a $35. And wait, wait, no. I said, we're dressed up like a cow. The, the entrees are free. I said, I know we have to pay for the fries and drink, but the entrees are free. He said, sir, that ended at 6 p.m. and at 6.30. Ooh. What do you mean it ends at six o'clock? There should be no time limit on dress like a cow day, Tony. They they had you. 
You were there. And then I had to shell out 35 bucks for a meal. We rarely go to Chick-fil-A with the whole family because it's so flipping expensive. Chick-fil-A does cost you some money. Did you at least get your frequent flyer points at Chick-fil-A? Your your new um, app, the Chick-fil-A app, where you get free stuff the more you go? You- no, I, I didn't know there was a new app. See, I just I am just totally screwing all this up. I was mad. I was mad. I told Vanessa, I said, have they ever had a time limit? She says, I, I honestly don't remember a time limit or otherwise we just always came before six. And they're usually super friendly at Chick-fil-A. And he's like, yeah, that ended at 630. I'm like, Fool, I'm dressed like a cow right now. Could you just throw a brother a free sandwich or something? And he didn't, did he? He did not. Let's blame the computers. Because the computers, probably, it was probably timed at 6 o'clock. They could probably enter a you know the cow free giveaway. And at 6 o'clock, the computer said, nope, not anymore. Because they used to take expired coupons. Now they can't. Because the computers won't let them. Nothing will let them do that. And also now, with the app, they're not even going to print cow calendars next year. No, 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 no. That's an annual tradition here in the Connell household. You didn't know this? Cow calendars. No, you're not. They're, wait a minute, they're stopping printing them? Yes. Why? That had to be a big moneymaker for, for them. It's all about the app, and it's all about getting rewards and coming and being a faithful cow person to Chick-fil-A. You're telling me there's not going to be a Christmas Chick-fil-A cow calendar this year? There will not be a cow calendar. My family's going to need therapy. It's now a tradition because Vanessa gives the boys Chick-fil-A calendars as a Christmas morning gift. They all get them in their stocking. They're not getting them this year. Nope. Chick-fil-A, what is going on? And so as soon as Chick-fil-A announced this, our other favorite restaurant, Bojangles, quickly said, we are here for you. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) Yes. They sent out a notice and said, we understand you people are going to have some issues with this, that you're not going to have your Chick-fil-A calendar. But we at Bojangles understand. So you can go to our site and print off a cow calendar every month. (laughs) (laughs) okay i I gotta go check that out that's that's pretty cool this is kind of funny you're talking about uh, chick-fil-a so adam told me this my son adam told me this as we were watching the um falcons and panthers football game a couple sundays ago he said just so you know that uh, at mercedes-benz stadium where the falcons play they have a chick-fil-a i went well yeah it's in atlanta he said dad think about it Oh, they play on Sunday. They're not open on Sunday. Why is there a Chick-fil-A in there? Well, I don't know if it's open. Nope, nope. it is not open on Sunday. And then he said, well, they also play the the soccer games and have concerts and stuff there. But I just thought that was really funny that the the major thing it's known for is is football. And it's like, there's a Chick-fil-A in there that's not open for people to get when they're at the football game. But I'm sorry. I apologize to the audience. First off, this is not David Waybright. This is David McCree or Tony McCree. I'm sorry. I know I can't live up to Mr. Waybright and the geekness uh, that was going on around here. And oh, my heavens. Are you going to be able to get through this episode without any Seinfeld references? Are you? I can't promise anything. I won't bring one up, but every once in a while, you may say something which may generate a Seinfeld reference, so we'll see how it goes. And I will have no clue, none whatsoever. No, you won't. That's why you can't even avoid it because you won't even know what's coming. I'm happy to be back, and um, first off, a big shout out to everybody here in the Carolinas, and I hope everything 
you weren't hit too bad by um, Florence. That was a mess. Woo! I'm sure a lot of people saw about the major hurricane that came through uh, North Carolina, really messed up eastern North and South Carolina. I know that if people want to help, I know Red Cross is still taking donations. Mm-hmm. I know that this week, uh, our local AAA baseball team, Charlotte Knights, is to, they said, hey, you probably bought a lot of water and didn't need it. Would you mind donating it? So we bought a lot of water, so we're going to take some up to the stadium. I hadn't heard that. That's Yeah, we did too. And I'm like, okay, that's good. I can get rid of all those bottles of water that Donna bought. Yeah. Or Rebecca uh, they bought. said they were needing waters and, waters and diapers, water and, and diapers and stuff like that. It's one of those things, you know, when a tragedy hits, everybody's like, oh, no. And then like two weeks later, people forget about it. But, you know, these people are going to be devastated for, you know, years uh, trying to recover with all the damage that's been done. So, again, yes. And thank you for everybody that reached out uh, to us. Uh, Hey, you know, reached out to us on Twitter, on social media and and, uh, private messages. How are you guys doing? You need anything? Tony and I in our location, it wasn't that bad. Uh, There was, you know, there's some flooding here and there. Some people have some down trees and stuff. But in general, we were very lucky considering what it could have been. Yes, absolutely. Now I did, you know, I I do work for the power company and the rivers are still rising, but I will give a shout out to my utility. 1.8 million customers lost power and within 10 days, we had gotten it down to under a thousand. Um, that's wow. That was just amazing for those guys out in the field and all the utilities that helped. But there's been some funny stories, and I'll tell you about some of them offline, Marty. But one of my favorite was somebody tweeted to our company and they said, Why do you guys build power lines in canals? We don't. <laughs> it was flooded. <laughs> we had to bring in. Sherp vehicles, amphibious vehicles. We had to go uh, Louisiana. The Cajun Navy was shipping or was giving our guys rides up the canals, which are normally land. It was amazing what they were doing. We had to bring in these special things, uh, special boats that had uh, shoot. I can't the buckets on them to raise the guys up and be able. Can mm. you imagine climbing in a bucket in a boat? And going up 50 to 75 feet in one nope. of those buckets, and it's rocking back and forth, baby. Nope, 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 mm. not for me. Not Amazing. For me. And on an Instagram, I shared a, a video of a road that was near us that was flooded out. It was like uh, an eighth mile stretch of road that was just totally underwater. Which you fell into my trap. Yes, you did it. I'm so, oh, you are now Mr. Instagram. That's it. It's done. It's over. No. No, yes. No, it was an experiment. That's all it was. It was an experiment. I read some. I read some articles saying that actually Instagram is used way more than Twitter. It seems like even though we have fewer followers on Instagram, the interaction stuff seemed to be more there than on Twitter. So I was just playing around with it and and trying it out. You you're still you can still have the Instagram thing. I may post a quick picture or something over there just to keep it going. But uh, if you aren't following us on Instagram, please do so at uh, at Dyson Names. We are going to try to utilize it more since it is the larger platform. If you'll use it more. I'm still committed to once a week, baby. That's once where a week. That's great. Okay, let me just say this. So you give me crap about my bag of chips posting from uh, Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation where it was nothing but air. And yet, I'm I'm on the Instagram doing my like, 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 oh, cute picture, like, 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 like. And next thing I know, there's we got all these likes. What is this for? Marty's talking about tea. I'm like, what the crap? Why is he 
giving me garbage about food and what I post. And he's out here doing videos about how he can drink a half a gallon of tea. I'm like, fine. It's his. I'm. No, I've washed my hands of it. I just gave you crap because you went to a gaming vacation retreat and the only picture you posted was a picture of potato chips. I posted other ones, but well, I had to space them out because, you know, I, I got to manage my weekly posting. Hey, well, I was just stunned. I bought half a gallon of tea. So I, sometimes I will stop and get a large tea at Bojangles that's 249 in the morning. Uh, a half a gallon of tea is only 239 so I said, forget it. I'll just buy the half a gallon of tea. And I said, this will last two days. By lunch, it was gone. Either you're drinking too much or you need to go with water. Oh, I consider tea water. It's just flavored water mixed with tea leaves. Tea leaves. There you go. I am happy to be back in the country. Yes. I, yes. How Ooh. was your trip? The trip. Oh, my heavens. We first off, and I know I mentioned this to you, London, amazing city. Good God, there's people everywhere. It's, oh, it's, it was unreal. Wow. Mm-hmm. Lots of people, dude. Lots. But, but the tube is amazing. That was fun. I enjoyed riding. I've actually, I did not ride on that when I was in London, but yeah. Yeah, that was somewhere. But I did find my retirement community. I know where I'm going. Oh, you did? Yes. What, what is it? It's, it's in, it's Orkney Islands up above Scotland. Okay. All right. They their climate is forty to seventy degrees, and they're on the Gulf Stream. So even though it's above Scotland, they don't get ice or snow. Oh, okay. All right. And their main exports are sheep and coos, Highland coos. Coos. What is coos? Cows. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Our our local guide went around. She kept talking about the coos, the coos, and finally she goes, "Oh, cows." We were like, "Oh, thank you." We appreciate that. And actually, if you look it up, it's where the um, British Navy had their harbor. It's one of the largest. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's one of the largest natural harbors and amazing. And you can hear about um, the people that lived there 5,000 years ago. But And I did post various pictures from various gaming stores I hit on the way. Over yeah. There. Anything cool? Well, one thing I noticed, and I know I didn't get all of them, but I did notice that every gaming store I went into, there was no place to play. Oh, really? It was just retail space, and that's that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder why. Is it just because it was so small, and they couldn't afford the I, That's what I'm thinking. They space? couldn't afford the real estate in London, or, um, I mean, a great store. It looked like a typical gaming store, games everywhere, and I like their organizational method. Um, it was popular games are on the bottom floor. Not so popular in war games are on the top floor. The Warhammer store, they were doing some painting, but they didn't have any um, champions. No no champion decks. No, really? Yeah. D- uh, d- okay, did that one have tables for you to play at? No. Really? Now, that I'm surprised at, because even here at the uh, local games workshop store in Charlotte, it's a small store, but they've got like four big tables in the middle to play on. Yeah, and, and maybe it's because the one I went to is on what they call the Royal Mile in... Um, uh, shoot, uh, I think Edinburgh uh, in um, Scotland. So that's like that high district, high high mm, selling district. And but then they told me to go to some store down the road for the games, and it was like a Barnes and Noble. So I was like, oh, okay. okay. And I mean, and then and then I went into one store on um, Guernsey, which is a small island, and it was the only island occupied by the. Uh, German army during World War II that was controlled by the British. They he had a game store, and I was so ho- hoping he had you know what was it Gans Schlang. Cle- I don't make a joke. 
Yeah, you're not. Anyway, and he he had never. <laughs> I was going to, but I stopped. Okay, he he had never heard of that. He didn't really understand rolling right. So I I was like, okay, that's fine. But he had a great selection, and he did have he did have a couple tables upstairs. But it was on this small little island. I was like, man, that's pretty good for you. But all in all, it's a great trip. Cruising's the way to go if you're old like me. Yeah, that's good. Good. We're glad everything uh, went well. So you didn't buy any games. Nothing unique or different? No, nothing. No hard to find? No, nothing like that. It was pretty much, it's, it's kind of fun. Kind of like when we went to Germany on the um, river cruise, I went in and the guy said, well, ooh, here's terraforming Mars. That's hard to get. Mm, no, but anyway, <laughs> so it, it was a good cruise. Enjoyed it. London was fun and came back early to battle Florence because didn't want to get stuck, but I am ready. Mr. Waybright, thank you for sitting in. Uh, yeah, D- David, thank you so much for uh, coming on. And actually, uh, uh, Tony, I gave you his uh, email address today because you're going to be heading his way soon, and hopefully you guys can hook up and do something over on his channel. Uh, I would like to, and then this way, I mean, even though during our show he said it's doubtful that you'll get on theirs. So, yeah, that's good. Okay, I like that. <laughs> By the way, did you watch the video uh, that we were supposed to be on? I, I know you've been out, but have you had a chance to see it yet? I've caught bits and pieces of it, but not all of it. Yeah, here's so here, here's the thing, dude. So uh, so so, Man vs. Meeple has this thing, Player vs. Player, which is like a game show. And at Gen Con, uh, Tony and I were supposed to be on the show against Rob and Christina. Our flight was delayed, couldn't make it. We told the story before, but that's just to kind of catch you up. So in our stead, uh, they had um, Ella and um, Isaac Childress sit in for Tony and I. So I I won't spoil who won in that match, but I will say this. Tony, if you or I were there, we would have smoked Christina and Rob. I was watching one, and they were like, what what component is this game? I'm like, seven wonders, people. There was one question, and uh, it's going to say, uh, here are two of the, uh, the the tech things in seven wonders. What's the third oh, yeah. icon? Don't, don't say it. Don't tell the answer there. But I'm just saying, oh, I said, oh, this Tony would have had this in a heartbeat. We would have blown them away. I was like, okay, but but we couldn't make it. Stupid airlines. No, we couldn't make it. We couldn't make it. I, I hate that. But anyway, it's a really, really cool show with everyone that comes out. They keep getting better and better. So again, check that out. That's Player versus Player series on the Man versus Meeple channel. Aside from their chit chat series. Yeah, I, you, I got them on about I that know, last, I last know. episode. Well, someday we'll have a chit chat series again. Mm-hmm. But you know what we really need to have, because because I did get to play a few games on the cruise ship, but I don't since you haven't, we don't want to do a f- review. So can we do uh, flying squirrels? Let's do flying squirrels. It's time for flying squirrels. Two minute discussions on topics that have our attention. For now. Welcome to another segment of Flying Squirrels. In this segment, there's all these topics that Tony and I want to really talk about, but we don't want to take up too much time. So we give each of ourselves two minutes to do so. And at the end of the two minutes, you'll hear this sound indicating that it's time to move on to another topic. Tony, do you have your topics in hand? While you do your first two minutes, I'll have them. (laughs) Oh, great. You got two (laughs) minutes to get this. Here we go. I am a big fan of the Nintendo Switch, and as such, whenever they do their Nintendo Directs, is basically when they do this live stream of some upcoming titles that's going to be on the Switch, I'm always interested in it. And a couple weeks ago, I was shocked to see that Asmodee Digital is going to be partnering with Nintendo to put some of their board games apps on the Switch. They've announced three so far, 
Carcassonne will be coming in December. This is going to feature a solo play and four-player local multiplayer and then future expansions. The Lord of the Rings Living Card Game, which is currently out on Steam, but it's going to come out on Switch in April of next year. And in March of next year, Pandemic's going to be coming out where you can play solo or four-player local multiplayer. And they have other ones going to come out in the future that they've already teased, such as Munchkin and Catan. Now, Tony, I know you don't have a Switch, but let me tell you, for a little portable handheld gaming system, these games are going to be amazing on that system. So let me understand this. You're now making me want to go buy a Switch. I had no desire until now. And does it have an HDMI? I'm still Xbox 360, dude. No, it has HDMI. So that's the beauty of this thing is where it has HDMI ports. So you can oh. plug it up your TV and play or remove, move from the dock and, and take it to work if you want. I just thought it was really cool that Asmodee has kind of reached the level where they can be negotiating and working out this sort of thing with Nintendo, of all people, to get their products on their platform. It's going to be a big coup for Asmodee Digital, I think. Uh, thanks. Appreciate it. More money. Out the door. Uh, the four-player pandemic local play that's going to be a lot of fun it'd be some sort of pass and play yeah so i was shocked to hear it uh, congratulations to asmodee uh, digital that's going to be a big deal for you and i can't wait to see what games come out on that system so while i was on the boat marty we had to fill our time in between all the trivia shows we went to donna and i so i took with me a game called crisscross from grail games that i was able to pick up at gen con this game, I don't know if you know the designer, it was Reiner Knizia. It's a roll and write, but it was so simple, but it was a bear for us to master. Don and I played this all the time when we were sitting there waiting for the next show to start, or maybe while we were waiting on our friends to come over and get ready for um, the buffet run. I was really impressed by this, and I really think that if you get a chance to play it, that you will enjoy it as well because there is a part of it where when you play the advanced rules, it will eat your lunch. It creates negative points and it took us a while to master it, but it's real simple. You roll two dice and you mark them on the sheet and you score based on the symbols. You that mark are them on the sheet. Yeah. Mark them on a sheet. Imagine that you're going to mark dice on a oh, roll. I thought you said sheep. No, the, no. I, I thought you was referring to that retirement Island from earlier. That could be a game. I could put 36 sheep together or whatever, and we could paint them. You know they paint the sheep? I did not know that. They paint the sheep so that you could tell which sheeps have had fun. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> okay. Good thing humans don't do that. That's right. So that's Criss Cross, Holy Grail Games, and it was designed by Reiner Knizzi. If you enjoy a quick, real easy roll and write, I highly recommend that you go pick that one up. Real quick, how does it rake against your other rolling rights that you like? It is in the middle. It's not knock mall. Ah, so in the middle. Great. I'd, I'd love to check it out sometime. My top two-player game from last year was Warhammer Underworld Shadespire. This is a game that when you look at it, it's like, oh, it's a miniatures game. Nope, it's just a board game that happens to use miniatures and has some deck building mechanics into it. I really got into it last year, Tony. You know that. I kind of bought everything. You bought a set and you you won't play with me for some reason. Because you got too many other games you want me to play. I mean, I've got my Shadespire ready to go, got my Skaven ready to go, but no, got to play this, got to play that. But anyway, yes, continue, please. So I was so excited when in the mail we got a copy of Warhammer Underworld 
Night Vault. Now, this is the new season of Warhammer Underworld is coming out that adds uh, some more warbands and adds a brand new ability. It adds magic. Now, some of the characters are wizards where you can cast spells and there's a new magic die. So, as part of your actions, instead of maybe attacking with attack dice, you can roll magic dice to see if your magic spell works. Or when you play cards in between your turn, like you used to, they're called ploy cards. Now you can play cards that you can actually cast magic. So, it adds a whole new element to the game. And it is really, really good. Now, the the initial factions in the box are Stormcast and Night Haunts. And there's a bunch of new ones coming out soon. Now, people are asking me, is this backwards compatible with the first one? Yes, the factions can be used across each other. It's just those older factions don't have the magic capability. If someone was to ask me, Tony, ask me, which one should I buy? Which one should I buy? Oh, you should buy Night Vault for sure because of the new magic mechanic. It adds just a little new mechanic in there that's really cool. There's also board now has impassable places that you can move. And if you go into it, you take damage. I still love this game. They have a brand new season coming out. It's on pre-order right now. When this episode comes out, it will be out. You need to go check it out. That's Warhammer Underworld Night Vault. Marty. What? Cue the soap opera music, baby. Here we go. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me get it. All right, all right, there it is. Go for it. The Lawnmower Saga is complete. It's over. It's over. So, I I don't, I forget where we left off. In our previous story, Tony had to send back the lawnmower because it wouldn't turn to the left. That's right, it wouldn't turn to the left. Well, I got back from my trip and I called him up and had a little bit more saga. I talked to the customer service rep and I said, before we left, you said I could return this. Sir, we don't have this anywhere in our notes, nor did we know that we talked to you. What? Uh-oh. I'm like, wait a minute. Donna talked to y'all for 30 minutes, and you said I could do this. She goes, so did you take it to get service? And did were they unable to get it fixed? And I said, sure, we're going to go with that. And she said, that sounds like the appropriate answer, sir. And so we went through it. I bought a new one. And I sent the other one back. But now, I'm probably going to get in trouble with UPS people now. But I, I feel for these guys. Did you know that UPS will pick up and deliver at your house as long as it's less than 150 pounds? How much was this sucker? 148 pounds. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, poor guy. He's And so Donna helps him load it into it. Well, Donna moves it out. I put it on a dolly out, and he takes it to the truck. And he's looking at it and goes, defective, huh? Well, I guess this one won't get lost in the mail. And I went, oh, he was kidding, of course, because he wanted to laugh, because he's having to lift 150 pounds. But my favorite part was he then lifted it up on the truck and simply just rolled it end over end over end onto the truck <laughs> oh my god and so is that it does the new one work the new one works i used it today but when i opened the garage to see it because i was going to help him unload it guess what it was sitting at my garage upside down and i was like oh no so is, is that the end of the story or is there more that may come that's it it's done i'm not even going to talk about how it's a little slightly damaged i'm not going to worry about it so as the lawnmower mows comes to a close. I love to talk about the business of board games, and something came up this past week, I told you, that really interested me. Out of the blue, Wizards of the Coast said, you know what, we are going to start selling magic through Amazon. And people are like, well, I can, I can already get magic cards on Amazon. 
Yes, you can, but those are sold through typically, uh, you know, local game stores, third-party sellers selling back through Amazon, and, you know, have, having a storefront through Amazon. I think Wizards of the Coast have seen the cash cow that is Amazon, and now has decided, you know what, we're going to sell directly through Amazon. And I know people say, like, well, that's not really a big deal. It is because Amazon can now set the price of what they're going to sell booster boxes for. And what will they do, Tony? What will they do against all those other people, local game stores that are selling, selling overstock on Amazon? Amazon's going to compete. They're going to drop price. They're going to try to move product, baby. They're going to undercut. In fact, they already have. When it first came out, booster boxes were listed at $89.90. And there's a guy that I watch on YouTube called Alf Investments who's just going livid over this. He said, by the way, there'll be enough pushback where the prices will go up within a few days. Sure enough, it did. It went up to like $94. But typically, a booster box costs like 140 something bucks because there's 36 packs and $3.99 per pack. That's how much Amazon's undercutting. Local game stores can't compete, and a lot of people are super ticked off, Tony. I can understand that. It's kind of like when you and I used to go to Potomac Distribution and get them fairly inexpensive for yep. Lord of the Rings. So if the if the local stores is not going to be able to compete against Amazon, why even go to local stores anymore? Because the events don't really pay for themselves. It's just an interesting uh, drama that's happened. It's kind of like with the map. Everybody's like, oh, the map, the minimum advertised price is there to help the local store. And then off of the side, actually, it's so we can undercut and we can sell it through Amazon and make a lot of money. I think Wizards has now realized the same thing. So I think there's going to be a lot of drama there. And a lot of local game stores, rightly so, are upset about this because this will hurt their sale. And this is where the community resides is at the local game store. I know you're tired of hearing about the cruise ship, Marty, but that's fine because it gave me the opportunity to play some other games. So, for instance... It doesn't matter. I'm going to talk about it anyway. Well, I'm not talking about just how good some of the um, dinners were. But anyway, before I go over there... Oh, jeez. So, I will say one thing about Rolling Rights. They are easy to pack. And I took another one with me, took it out of the box. I took Trainmaker by Chris Leader from AEG with me as well. And Donna and I tried that one out. Gave me a chance to try out Trainmaker. And you know me, I love my train games. I don't care what kind. You love your trains. Love my trains. So we got this game out, Trainmaker. And okay, it was below crisscross. I'll give it that. All right. Okay. And even Donna said, are we playing this right? Because... She was like, mm, I'm not feeling the intensity. I'm not feeling the, the, the angst that I normally feel or the thought process behind this. I mean, to be honest with this, this is a push-your-luck dice game of contract-chasing rail bearings for one to six players. And playing with two players, I think, was What's a, a rail bearing? Rail bearings. Bearings. Oh. Or bearings. Okay. It's the things that help the wheels go round and round. Sheep, sheets, same thing. Same thing. So one to six players and playing with two, that is not the sweet spot. Because this is a quick game. This is pure filler at its best. It is Yahtzee chasing contracts that are on the board. Whoever can get the most contracts is the winner. If you get certain commodities, you can win. If you fill a special contract, you can win. And between Don and I, there just wasn't a lot there for us. So I think before I say don't go get this, this is a bad game, I'm not going to say that. What I am going to say is that if you want a quick filler dice rolling game, this would probably be very good with four players. But don't. I warn you now. Play it with two players. You you won't you won't have a good time. Maybe you should go get uh, Railroad Inc. from Simon and see how, what you think of it. I think I shall because once again it's a rolling right and a train game and a train game. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. We. 
We always talk about the great game inserts that the Broken Token has, but to me, Tony, every once in a while they come out with a little accessory that I think is really cool. And just now, uh, they released something called Stacking Tabletop card holders now they already have card holders that you can buy and 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 use and everything but this is a cool concept tony you have uh different types of card holders for like mini size cards and regular size cards and then different number of slots like two three and four but you can get them and then stack them on top of each other they got some examples where you have a four card slot holder and then a three card slot on top of that and a two card slot on top of that and they interlock on top of each other so i thought that's kind of like a cool thing just to have in your game room and whatever game you're going to be playing, you just pull those out and load cards into those slots. Or better yet, here's another idea. These can be used for when space is at a premium on the table and you don't want to spread them out. Stack up your cards, people. I know I run into that issue often when I'm trying to reach over there and you got cards laying everywhere. But I love the fact that the Broken Token uses the Ascension cards to show off their <laughs> stacking. And they're actually reasonably priced too. So like the uh, the two-card standard slot holder, $6.99, and the four-card slot is $9.99. So you can just get multiple different types of configurations and then add them together and add more later on. And it's, a, it's a great idea. That's right. And you can find that at thebrokentoken.com. Tony, while we were at Gen Con, there was a game over at AEG that, that really caught my eye. And it's because... It has poker chips. And for some reason, I just really dig games with poker chips because poker chips is one of those really fun, tactile game pieces I like to handle. And I understand that. I mean, it's kind of like marbles with Simon. Hey, you like to handle stuff? You can handle anything. You If you want to handle chips all day, you knock yourself out and handle as many chips. It's kind of like, you know, I saw a game over there at AEG2 that had trains and dice. I like that. So if you want to handle your chips, handle your chips. So I went over there and I talked to them. And they said, oh, yeah, this is a, a new abstract game that's uh, from designers Trevor Benjamin and uh, David Thompson. And it's like, OK, you kind of you kind of got me interested because when I first looked at it, the idea is you're putting uh, each of these poker chips represent a type of faction or type of unit. You put it on the board, you try to fight each other and you try to get all your control markers on the board. And with two player, that's that's four control markers. So to me, it instantly had a feel of the Duke. It just instantly reminded me of the Duke because you're pulling poker chips out of the bag. Your units are in a bag and then you play those chips onto the board. Much like with the Duke from Catalyst Games Labs is you pull a unit out of the bag and you place it on the board with the idea of trying to, and that one you're trying to capture the other person's king or, or, their, or their units. And here you're trying to capture control points. So it would immediately appeal to me. Uh, they were kind enough, enough to send us a uh, review copy. And Tony, all it took me was one game playing with uh, my son to go, oh yeah. Yeah, this this is it. This is a game that I am really going to like because it mixes another mechanic into this game that doesn't exist in the Duke in that it's a bag builder. So at the beginning of the game, you're going to have four units. There's like four or five chips per unit. And two of each of those go into the bag to start the game. You draw three chips and you're going to use those each turn. One thing you can do is add more chips of a particular unit to a bag. And when the bag's empty, you take all those discarded chips and put them back in. So it has the a bag builder or deck builder type mechanic into it abstract game two-player war deck builder mechanic tony i'm in but the thing that sold me on it 
was the ability of intermixing the factions, which is kind of a neat concept. Your armies that you have four of. That's what sold me. I've got to develop strategies based on what I'm giving at the beginning. And in the advanced rules, we can even draft those armies. That was neat because uh, like you and I play, we just kind of played the starter rules. And uh, every time I've played it, we haven't done the draft because I keep teaching it to new people. And I didn't want to have them have to deal with the, the draft issue, so I just well, deal. With what's wrong with the draft them. issue? How hard is that to teach someone? It's here. Well, it's it's not. But if they never played, they don't know why I would want this unit to go with this unit. Because they got horses and they don't. And those horses can move quicker than the other horses, and then the archers can shoot ranged where, and then the uh, the swords guys can have uh, multiple guys out in the swords. They can spawn anywhere. So yeah, but they wouldn't know how they were synergized together though. Oh. Please, have you watched The Vikings? Have you watched Game of Thrones? Have you watched any movie that dealt with knights? I mean, it's not that hard to figure out because you've seen the tactics. These people have built this. If you draw a cavalry, you know that you need some type of foot person or possibly long range that's coming back to you. So they could handle the draft. I mean, if you have pikemen, if you know that, hey, I've got cavalry and I'm going to give him the cavalry unit, maybe I'll take pikemen because cavalry will suffer against a pike because they'll charge into a pike and they will die. This isn't hard. This is basic war tactics in building an army. <laughs> okay, okay. So forgive me. But anyway, with everybody I taught it to, I just dealt them for each. And teaching the game is super straightforward. The The rules are very simple. Uh, you're going to draw those three uh, chips. Each of you draw three chips at the beginning of a turn. And then you resolve each one chip at a time. The basic thing you could do is take that uh, chip and put it on the board and spawn it as a new unit on the board. As long, Tony, this is one of those cool rules, you can only have one type of unit on a board at a time. Our archer chips are already there, out there. You can't put a second one, but what you can do is do something called bolster. Bolster allows you to stack units on top of each other, making them harder to kill. Or let's say you have an archer out there. You have you have this option to do what's called a face-up action, where I can uh, discard a face-up token and if it matches a token that's already on the board, I can do something with it. I can move with it. I can attack with it. Or I can do a tactic that's written on its card. And some of the cards have special tactics that you can do. Last thing you do is you can do a face-down action. Where you take one of the chip, just put it face down in your discard pile. And that allows you to take one of your uh, armies that are uh, in the supply and put it in the discard to be later added to the bag. And that's it. That, it's really straightforward. There's where the strategy kicks in, Marty. And you know mm -hmm. this, just like a card or deck building game, you need to know what's in your deck. You need to know what's the possibility of coming out because of that face-up action, as you said, is the only way to activate units on the board. And if you have a unit out there and you need it to move, you better have one in the bag that you hopefully will draw. Because if you don't, it's just going to sit there. Hey, you didn't talk about attacking. Attacking, uh, it's not It's not comparing uh, his defense as number six, plus he's bolstered by a army of pikemen behind him. Add another plus three, plus the terrain is e uneven, and he has the high ground advantage, plus the dice roll of a D12 minus <laughs> a D6 roll, and then whatever his armor is, class minus, oh, wait. No, this was so simple, even I understood it. I do not have to get grumpy on this. I attack you. You're dead. Off the board you go. 
that's it. I actually, I actually really enjoy the simplicity of that. If you're adjacent to somebody, the typical attack is you're adjacent to somebody say, I'm going to attack you. That chip is removed from the board. It doesn't go to your discard pile. And this is a rule I love too. It's out of the game. So it's not like, oh, it just comes back to the bag to use later. No, it's gone. Back in the bag? No, not there. No, no. It's and out. That's actually where the, that's where the bolster comes in because all the bolster does is take the top chip off the stack. So you haven't des- destroyed the entire unit. So that's why sometimes you want a bolster. That's right. There's your defense. Hmm, how many chips do I have? He has three. I hit him for one. It's not that. I just depleted his line i knocked out one guy off the board he goes and you have to manage that in this game if you don't manage this in this game you are in for a world of hurt you've got to know when to pull those units into the bag you need to know how to move them know how they synergize there's a lot of depth here people for such a simple action game and i kidded with david about this on twitter yes i got on twitter thank you for telling me he was talking to me i appreciate that but I'm, i'm like okay the expansions. We know there's going to be new units. We know that they can bring all kinds of units. Shoot, the Duke has been doing it forever. He's going to do the same thing. Just think, if he were to add a little terrain, not terrain to add to the battle, but just obstacles to move around, you know? Yeah, and um, we didn't really talk. I talked about how you win the game is with uh, controlling, uh, putting out your control points, but uh, that's another one of the face-up actions you can do. Uh, There's certain spots on the board where you can put a control marker, and let's say I have a uh, war priest sitting out there, and he's sitting on top of a a control point. If I pull a war priest uh, from my hand and play it face-up, I get to take one of my markers and put it on the board. If I get four of my markers out there, I win the game. But that doesn't stop somebody else from changing it. I could do that. Tony, you could come in and attack with the guy, kill him, move on to that space, and convert that control marker from mine to yours. So there's this constant combat and back and forth. But what's so great is, is that from attrition, the game will eventually end. It's not going to be a game that goes on and on because eventually both of you are going to start running out of units to where you don't have a lot left. Uh, and then eventually just somebody will win the game. And I asked David, how often does a stalemate happen? He says, rarely. He said, because um, usually if somebody gets to the point where they can't activate somebody because they've only got one of that type of token left, usually the other person usually has two. And so eventually they'll be able to get all the control points. And I think if you get to that point where it's someone saying, okay, I've got nothing, I'll knock my king over and you win you know yeah and and i think that's something everybody needs to understand let's say you have each one one of each of your units on the board and the rest of your units have been killed that's it mm-hmm. you can't activate that there's nothing there's no way to activate those units anymore you're done and that's part of the strategy tony when i was playing against you i would say hmm he's got two of those types of units killed i know he has five of them there's one on the board there's only two left so it's like if i can kill another one or two of those then that unit's done right And that's where I've got to say, okay, I've got to protect this unit or how am I going to um, manage it? And the control points, yeah, they're how you win, but they're also strategic in nature because you're able to spawn from those points if you can. And so that's very important. You can even take control of someone else's original spawn points. All that factors into the game. I mean, am I going to try to do a flanking move? Am I going to try to do a pinch move on you? Shoot, if David were to get busy, he could even do this Bring it into the real armies. Have infantry, tanks, paratroopers, whatever. It's simple enough as long as the truth balance of the game is the cards in their special moves. That's where the balance is. It's not the board. It's not the numbers on the chips. It is in those cards and their special actions, which 
It will determine whether or not one will win a battle or not. There is a four-player option. I've yet to play it with four-player. I would like to, but to me, Tony, I think the sweet spot is going to be the two-player. I think it's going to be the more the chess, the Duke type thing. I just like to sit across an opponent and play. I love the concept of the drafting now because the uh, the units, even though there's uh, there's a handful of them, they're really easy to learn and remember what they do to where if you do a draft and you get a handful of cards, I get a handful of cards, we each take one, then pass back and forth, and then we try to send jaws off what we just built i don't know i think there's a lot to this game and tony the production value that box are you kidding me oh yeah it's a good closing box so the chips don't fall so the chips don't land where they may it's got a magnetic flap on it the tray that holds the poker chips is incredible all the chips stack nicely then underneath it you can store the bags and the boards it's just top-notch production it's a great two-player abstract game i highly recommend trying this and tony i told you this and you said you weren't for sure yet but i think this may replace the duke for me as my favorite type game like this and the reason why is because of the bag building and also drawing three the fact with the duke you draw one and play it here you draw three and i like the decisions you have to make should i play this one face up Maybe instead I should play this one face down. Oh, there's one other option we didn't mention too. When you pay face down, you can also take the initiative from the other person so that you get to go first next turn. But still, I think it's the bag building mechanic that puts it over the top for me. And you also mentioned something else. One thing about the Duke. I mean, if you play it a lot, and it's been a while since we've played the Duke, but the uh, fact that you have to constantly sit there and flip the unit over to remember what it does on the reverse side. That Yeah. I mean, if you play it a lot, that's not an issue. But for your opponent... He doesn't get to see that or if he may not be as familiar. So I, I can see that. Now, for me, I mean, the Dukes out of print are going to come out with Duke Legacy, of course. Or yes, I believe that's the name of it. It's coming out to, you know, reinvigorate the market for the Duke. I enjoy both games, but like you, I think War Chess would be the game for me and also because it, the speed of it. It's easy to set up too. Geez, you know, here's, here's your chips, put in the bag, let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the setup is a piece of cake, put in the ways a piece of cake. And when I first played it and I sang its praises on uh, a Twitter, I didn't realize the designer, David Thompson, followed us and listened to our show. I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, I'm so glad you like it. I love your show. And I went, well, don't forget that, dude. You designed this game. That's freaking cool. Yeah. Not us. You. Hey, you did. Yeah, you. The designer's the one that's the superstar here. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm glad you asked that question about expansions. I hope it does well. I hope this is one of those that finds a nice little place on people's shelves to play a quick 30-minute game. Heck, I could see this in almost like a tournament environment. I can see war, play, war chess tournaments or you sit down and you draft and you play and you go through a tournament structure. Uh, these types of games are really built well for that. So I'm going to close it out for me. Enjoy the game immensely. Enjoy the speed of it. I like how the units being able to synergize between them based on either if you don't do the draft or if you do the draft, the strategy behind it. It's one of those games that I think for me would stay on my shelf. I'm going to have to pick up a copy because it's one of those games, I think, with um, Donna, she would even enjoy this because she enjoys the the simple game, The Rose King, 
but she loves how the the manipulation of movement is. I think she this would take it to the next level. So I think even I could get Donna to play this. So for me, this is a game that needs to be on my shelf. Tony, to me, this is a lunch game. You and I played over lunch. It's one of those that's easy to set up and play during lunch. I miss those little times that we get together and play those little 30-minute games. And I think this falls right in, in that gap for me. So I enjoy my abstract games. It has the poker chips, the bag building. I really can't wait to see where it goes. And again, it's one of those things simple to learn hard to master because every time you play you may have a different combination of units that work differently together aeg very well done david thompson i can't see where wait to see where this game goes that's war chest from all direct games or better known as all direct entertainment group portalgames.pl slash en that's it we're done that's it that's it we're done Wow, he paid for more than that. No, no, no. When you and Waybright basically did a review in his last commercial and it took (laughs) two and a half minutes, I'm sitting here listening to this, trying to timestamp, and I'm moving forward. I'm like, portalgames.pl slash en. They're still talking about portal games. So no, Ignacy, that two and a half minutes has got us clear through portal games for the next... (laughs) 2019 to the start. We do not need to say any more than portalgames.pl slash en or portalgames.pl because you and Waybright, oh, did you ever play the game uh, Imperial Settlers? Let me tell you a story about it at portalgames.pl slash en. I was like, dude, it's 30 seconds. It's not a 30-minute commercial. No, he does not need two and a half minutes. It's Amazon's. Yeah, he's got that coming out. Oh, wait a minute. He's got this Robinson. And then, oh, why would we even want to mention for portalgames.pl slash en that incredible game, Monolith Arena, comes out October 24th. Oh, my gosh. Why should we even mention that? He hasn't paid for that. Oh, Tony, speaking of games. No, no, we no. We're two and a half minutes. We don't need to. Oh, wait, we're done? We don't, I don't okay, what were you going to say? But, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? What were you going to say? Are uh, we talking about how we love our abstract games? Mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, this one, this one up up against War Chest. This will be interesting. This will be very interesting. It might be a squirrely. We know detectives in the running, but I don't want to go two and a half minutes like you and David Waybright did for a Portal Games commercial. Look, look, do this. Just, just let them know where they can go. Portalgames.pl slash e for English. All right, so one of the things that I can't believe, I've been to, my, my wife was born in Rochester, New York, Marty. So we get to go up there and see some of her, her our family up there, some of her family. And one thing I've never been to is the Strong National Toy Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York. I have yet to make it, and I'm very disappointed in myself about this. How can that not be one of the first places you go? You know what they have there, right? The National Toy Hall of Fame. I think I just said that. But you know what they have there at the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York? They've got the Toy Hall of Fame. Uh, I'm pretty sure I said that, but okay. Okay, yes. But anyway, as we've said on this show before, every year they have nominees, and we highly try to have our listeners go out and take votes for what we think should be in the Hall of Fame. We not Not that we're trying to stuff the ballot box here but i do think it is important that we exercise our right to vote for what goes in the strong's national toy hall of fame in rochester new york yeah sure sure the midterms are coming up let's vote on something important that's right some of these games deserve to be in there tony and some of those i don't 
don't know about. So basically, for those of you who don't know, fans may vote on their favorite finalists during September 12th through the 19th as the player's choice ballot, okay? The three toys that receive the most public votes will be submitted and will join the other top three submissions by members of the National Selection Advisory Committee. The public, we the public, will collectively act as one member of the 23-member committee. That kind of upsets me, Marty. What's the deadline for voting? From September 12th to the 19th. So it's already over. Yeah, we missed it. Oh, well, forget everything we said. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was thinking, maybe it's October 19th. Like, nope, it's September. Yeah, so all that thing about us voting and exercising your right, you you can just exercise it next year because it's over. I believe that's it. I'm I'm verifying that, but I could have sworn that you could still vote. But when I'm reading the press release, I'm like, hmm. That's a short, that's only one week to vote. And they're going to announce the winners on November 8th. But maybe we should stop hemming and hawing and talk about the finalists. I think that would be a good thing. So either way, if you want to go out to museumofplay.org and see if you can still vote. Um, I thought you could still vote. That's a short window of voting. Man. You know, is this in Winchester? Is this in Rochester? I think it's in Rochester. You really should go sometime. Let's talk. The first item on there is American Girl Dolls, and this was created. Wow, I didn't realize it was that recent. In 1986, I know Rebecca had one. Well, I don't have a, any daughters. I know that the American Girl Dolls are a huge craze, Tony. Oh, they are. I mean, and you can get them to look like you, or there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's pretty a uh, popular doll, and they're not cheap. Mm-mm. What's next? This was one of my favorite toys growing up. Absolutely loved it. Maybe this is why I like lawnmower so much. The Fisher Price Corn Popper. I love driving people crazy, and that is a toy I would always buy new parents. Yeah, I I did it too because it's like uh, somebody gave uh, our kids that, and then it drove us crazy. So now everybody that gets a toy is going to be that one. So that's been around since like 1957. Pop 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 pop. That's such a fun toy. This one is a weird one. Chalk. It's important. I know it's important, but as as a toy, I mean, it's used for a lot of different things besides toys. Okay, but here's what's interesting. Have you been into a school supply place lately? I mean, walked down the Walmart, the Target, and looked at school supplies? Uh, No. I challenge you to find chalk. I mean, I've seen like the tubs of chalk where kids can buy them and, you know, draw on the sidewalks in the street and everything. Mm-hmm. But original chalk, I, I defy you to find. Well, me. no, because there's no there's no blackboards anymore. Those are the things that we used to have in school that you wrote on with chalk. They were called blackboards, but they were really green. Yeah, and I have one hanging in my garage so that Donna can write my honeydew list. <laughs> she can't find any chalk. Sweet. Who beats the erasers? I just use a paper towel. Oh, okay. Did you ever in school? Did you did you ever like? So I want to go beat the erasers and you go outside and you beat the erasers together to get all the chalk dust off of it. Yeah, it was a way to slack off. It was, yeah. But nothing helps me more at work than a magic eight ball. This one makes total sense. This came out in 1946, and if anybody is not familiar with that, I don't know how it's the it's an eight ball, and you ask it a question, you shake it, and you look underneath, and it tells you uh, ask again later. Typically, most definitely. Come back later or whatever. And they've come out in all kinds of brands. I know I had one and I know you did. And I know we 
cracked one open to see what was inside. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's inside this thing? Well, I shouldn't really have broke that open to find that out. So magic eight ball makes sense. Now a board games on the list, Tony, of course, shoots and game. ladders yeah. It's based on an ancient Indian game called snakes and ladders. And that actually came out in England in 1892. And then in 1943, uh, it was switched over to shoots and ladders. So uh, I'm sure everybody has a copy of that. At one time. When they were a kid or whether they got kids. So pretty straightforward game. Move and slide and climb ladders. I even forgot. It's been so long since I played it. But it hasn't been long ago that we played one of these games. I mean, oh, maybe about three weeks ago because it's back out. Two-door electric football. Yeah, baby. How, what what timing on this for this to actually make the list this year for the finalists in the Total Hall of Fame when Tudor is trying to reintroduce the game to the board gaming hobby, and we just covered it a couple of weeks ago, so we've already been through it and explained what it is, so it was exciting to see that on the list. Oh, yes, very exciting. Matter of fact, I showed some people in the neighborhood, so I need to come get the game from you because he's got three boys. Oh, they yeah. won't, they, they were like, what is that? And I'm showing everybody at the party and all the dads are like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, it's back out people. And they're like, okay, we got to play this. Oh yeah. Next time I see you, I'll give you the, the full teams and the board and everything. And you'll have a blast. Uh, next, a action figure line is out. Uh, Masters of the Universe. He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which came out in the uh, the 80s, uh, was a uh, cartoon. And by the way, if you've never checked out the uh, Netflix series where they look at like toys and everything, they do one of the episodes on Masters of the Universe. I highly recommend watching it. So that's really cool to see something from the 80s now up there in the uh, the Hall of Fame finalist. What was it? By the Power of Grayskull? By the Power of Grayskull! Then we get to cards uno mm. uno is a classic oh it, it is a classic and obviously you and i are looking at different lists because we're calling them out a different order so now you're not looking at the same page and i am do you know what year it came out i'm going to take a guess in 1935 close 1971 yes very close 1971 okay I'll yeah close. it's that new i didn't realize it was that new because i remember i was playing uno a lot with the family uh in the late 70s so we were, we were like hip. We we're playing the latest thing. It'd be a, like us playing like uh, Cards from Humanity right now. I, I didn't realize that. Cards against it. Wow, Cards from Humanity. That's good. How about Cards against? Okay, whatever. Get, get, go. Let's move on. Next, I'm surprised this one is not hasn't been in yet. Pinball. Hmm. Yeah, pinball machines. Uh, they looks like uh, they said they go. They uh, date back to the 18th century French parlor games, and uh, everybody knows what a pinball machine is. Have a lot of good history with pinball machines, and we have a wonderful pinball museum here in beautiful downtown Asheville, North Carolina. And if you're never in ever in that area, I highly recommend going to check it out. All these games are playable. You go in and play a set fee and you can play pinball machines all day from modern all the way back to the, like the seventies and sixties. It's great a place where you and I have both been and enjoyed it. I and mean, they yep. even have my favorite, the uh, chase HQ one, which had the little siren on top of it. He was refurbished and hadn't finished it up yet. My favorite was black hole. Ah, uh, Black hole, yeah. Because uh, they had the, the, the two-layer. Uh-huh. Like, you went, uh, yeah, it was like one of the first ones to have like a dual-layer pinball machine. That was cool. Now, I will admit this next one. I never got for Rebecca, and that was Tickle Me Elmo. I didn't get that. Mm. Do you remember that craze? Oh, my gosh, yes. That year, you remember people were going insane trying to find Tickle Me Elmo. It was like uh, 1996. 
People were lined up at Walmarts and Toys R Us calling constantly, did you get any shipments of Tickle Me Elmo? And Tony, like you, uh, let's see, our kids were, what, two years old at the time? And it was like, I don't get what the big deal is. I still don't get what the big deal is. It makes them laugh. It makes them it makes them enjoy it. I mean, just to sit there and he he makes you have fun and makes you feel good. And he falls down and he flops around and that's a slinky. But anyway, yeah. He I, walks downstairs on lower in pairs and make us makes a slinkity sound. That's it. But that's tickle me Elmo. Yes. I I'm with you. I don't think we ever got a tickle me Elmo because I just I don't know. If I had gotten one, I'd have turned around and sold it so fast. It's just the way you are. But uh hey, now this one. Tic-tac-toe. Let me, can, can I guess when this one came out? Maybe in the early 500 BC? Uh, they said it dates back here to ancient Egyptian times. There you go. I'm surprised at this. I don't consider this a toy. I consider it just, just, a, just a, a game. Yeah. I don't know, this, this, one, this was one kind of an odd one for me. I think, they're, I think they're digging here at this point. But anyway, so yeah, tic-tac-toe is up. And finally... The sled. Also known as, in the South, a toboggan. Yes, it is. And people up north saying that's a hat. That's a hat. <laughs> so down here we call them a, a toboggan. So these have been around for a while, too. Again, uh, originally made to basically help armies cross over icy terrain. It wasn't really a toy when it was first created. So it's become a toy over the ages. So Wait, wait, wait. Did you say Arby's? No, you said armies. Armies, armies. yeah. Because I'm like, armies. if you said Arby's, what? Did they have to go deliver their bacon and cheddar sandwiches or something? What? We have the meats. Oh, and speaking of which, when they made the uh, snack shakes versus the regular dollar ones, you know, you could between two to five, you can pick up a uh, shake. Yeah. And then they reduce the size. So where do you want to eat? Feels like an Arby's night. But anyway, that's one of those shakes that it, you, your cheeks will suck in as you try to suck them. Your butt cheeks? No, your cheeks on your face. It's a lot of suck. Oh, I was really, yeah. I didn't know if it was so cold you puckered your butt when no. you sucked on it. Or no, something. but I mean, you just, there's a lot of suckage there because you, and it's got, it's just hard to do. Hey, Tony. Yeah. Let's you and I go over what we think the top three picks should be. If you were voting, Tony. Yes. What would be one of your top three? I will go with one of my favorites is, of course, electric football. I played the mess out of that. I would love to see that in the Hall of Fame. I would love to see it, but I don't think it will. Uh, I don't think it will be either, but still, this is what I think should be there. Yes. That's fair. See, that's, that's fair. That's number. That's one for me. One for me is uh, going to be uh, pinball. Uh, there's a lot of history with the pinball machine. Uh, it's been played through the decades. Granted, that's not a toy that's going to be in your home per se, but uh, pinball is on my list is one of the three. Another one is just because of uh, so nostalgia, and that is the Magic 8-Ball. I concur. That was next on my list, so we both agree there. I think Magic 8-Ball is an iconic toy, and as soon as people see it, they recognize it, know what it is, and it's still used today. It was a great invention. It still shows up on Jeopardy questions all the time. And matter of fact, hold on. Wait a minute. Shake, 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 shake. Will the Magic 8-Ball be a finalist <laughs> definitely okay oh nice it, look it pre- it predicted itself and since both you and i uh tied on the on the same uh one what's your last one i'm gonna have to go with the corn popper i just love that toy oh man i was torn dude i was torn between corn popper and uno mm. i may have to give the edge to corn popper again an, an iconic uh, game i, I just kind of want to give it to a board game i kind of don't want to give it to shoots and ladders so i'd rather uno win over shoots and ladders okay 
Oh, that's fair. I, I can understand. Now, I will say, if either tic-tac-toe, sled, or chalk wins, I'm going to be highly disappointed. But you'd still go to the Toy Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York, wouldn't you? Well, I would, but obviously you don't. Okay, we're going to find out the winners on November 8th. Who do you think should be in the Hall of Fame? Who do you think should be in there? Who do you think will be in there? You can let us know on our guild at BGG at uh, 1589. You can always talk to us on Twitter and on Instagram, Dyson Names, which I talked about earlier. Tony, I love talking about this list every year. So nostalgic. Oh, me too. And I always like to see what's coming in there. And uh, we'll just uh, next year, maybe we'll pay attention and actually vote. First off, uh, coming to the end of the show, and I must say, I felt like I was kind of off my game, Marty. I apologize. You know how they come off that vacation high. I mean, we haven't recorded together in almost three weeks now. It was the last time we recorded together was Mega Moose Con, which was the end of August, which is almost a month. A month. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm sorry. I was kind of off on my game oh, tonight. you weren't rusty at all. You were on there. Uh, you know, you I hopped tried. right back on that horse. Yeah, well, but by the way, if you do get a horse, Calvary, make sure you have somebody that can back them up. Just saying. Pikeman. Are you saying Calvary? Calvary. Cavalry. Cavalry. I'm it's, saying Calvary. Okay, that's what I thought. Calvary's the place where Jesus was killed. Yes. <laughs> Calvary. Uh, Cal- I, I do the same thing. I, I, I switch those cavalry. Calvary. Calvary. Cava. Cava. C-A-V-A. Cavalry. Well, you know, it doesn't help when you have it typed wrong in front of you, too. Good God. I didn't type it. No, it's on another sheet I have pulled up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay, whatever. Hey, but it's spell-checked correctly. Hey, I want to give some more love to Grail Games. I got in another game of Yellow and Yanksy that they published, which is also from Reiner Knizia. We talked about Crisscross earlier, mm-hmm. which is also from, from the same publisher and same designer. Yellow and Yanksy was a hit with the table. I played it with the Scurry Boys, Tony. Good. And they enjoyed it. I bet they, well, they should have. It's a good game. What's wrong with them if they didn't? It's one of those things that, too, when you look at it, it's like, this is going to be kind of hard to teach. And it is it is kind of confusing. It's like, well, the red does this. The black does this. The different colors do different things when you put the, uh, the units out on the board. But all it takes is like literally one round to get through it. And it's like, oh, okay, now I kind of understand how this works. Man, we need to get that back on the table. Uh, well, I, I got it on the table last week. And, dude, I'll play again I- anytime. Uh, maybe we'll get you to play it, and then we'll do, like, a full talk on it and everything. I know we talked about it at Gen Con because we played it once there. But that's one of those things, Tony. For some reason, these games that have the old-school feel to it, I am just into right now. Between uh, that and Taj Mahal, I mean, they just had this old... And it's funny, another Reiner Knizia game. Maybe I'm just really into Reiner Knizia games right now or something. Well, I hear that he's got this uh, rolling right called Crisscross. You might be into that, too. I need to check that out. I do need to check that out. But yeah, for some reason, this this old school, old feel board games, it doesn't feel like it has a bunch of new gimmicks or twists. It's just like kind of basic. I'm just really digging that. Kind of the plan, not necessarily vanilla and boring, but kind of just... Simple and straightforward. But uh, what was the other thing? Oh, you were saying you had something else you wanted to mention. Do you remember what it was? I don't. It's one of those things that halfway through the show, I was like, I had to take a note because I want to mention this at the outro. And you know when it'll hit me? Uh, Tonight after we get off. We will. And it'll probably be something like, oh, no, I needed to mention that. I'm going to forget it. Well, then maybe you should, you know, do one of those things where, um, like, write it down, put it in the show notes, something like that. Would that work? Yeah, I should have done it. But we were doing the show as it popped into my head. And then I thought to myself, I won't forget that. And you did. I'm getting old, man. 
Yes, we are. And but hey, that's okay. You're allowed to get old. You're allowed to continue to age a little bit. Oh, I'm allowed to. I would prefer not to be allowed to. Okay, so think about that Logan's Run. Remember, at a certain age, you weren't allowed to get old. Thirty. Was it thirty or thirty-five? It was either 30 or 35. And it's so funny that you mentioned that. Yesterday, for some reason, I thought of this. Uh, at one time, there was talk of, of remaking Logan's Run. And I think it's been, gosh, 40 years since that came out or something like that. I think it would be a good time to reintroduce something like that. And if you've never seen Logan's Run, I highly recommend it. The premise is really simple. There's like overpopulation or there's a, they want to control the population. And once you get to the age 30, people go and do have this ceremony where they float up in the air and explode. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, but anyway, so the, the, the premise is, is a lot of people, well, I don't want to die at 30. And so there's this like underground railroad thing where people try to escape and there's this one person that's tasked with trying to shut down that underground railroad. And they come to find out he becomes sympathetic to them. And then he tries to run, does, and his name's Logan, Logan's Run. But I think it's just one of those, it would be a good remake at this date and time. Well, you know what is coming out of Star is Born. Maybe that's why I was thinking about it. It's like, why does this movie need to get remade? And for some reason, Logan's mind popped in my head. Or No, I know what it was. It was I saw uh, somebody did a bit or something with the Logan's Run. It was like in a comic or something. And they... Uh, had the, they had the thing in their hand, a light, no. and when it lit red, that when it was red, it means it was your time to go. It, was, it means you hit thirty. Congratulations on winning the dark horse pick on the movie picks. Oh yes, and actually, what did I pick that was the dark horse? I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. Well, I do because I'm getting good at this. Let's face facts. You beat me by a little bit because Hereditary, which is what I picked, did really well, but it, yours came out and and beat me. But we have Dan Patrice. Yeah, he won it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I came in last, so I get first pick next year. And I guarantee you next year for the summer releases, there's not going to be a blockbuster. There's not going to be a Marvel movie. There's not going to be anything that I can pick. That's it. I'm just telling you. I'm not. It's not going to happen for me. It was Sicario. Ah, uh, actually, there wasn't a lot of big hits as far as as far as uh, Sleeper goes. But yes, congrats to Dan. This was his first win, first time he's ever won. Mm-hmm. It was. I mean, and he had a good balance of uh, movies. He didn't have one big one. And for a reminder, uh, this past year he actually picked second. So it's not the winner either goes first or last. There was somebody in the middle that won. Yes, he did. Well, the reason why I bring this up is there's a movie that's coming out, and then stuff. Oh God. It's not called the Freddie Mercury story. Oh, it's it's uh it's Bohemian Rhapsody. How about that? Yeah, I'm just oh okay. Oh, I'll be there. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. Oh, actually, there's three movies coming out uh, that I'm super excited about. One, it may suck, but I'm gonna go see it. Venom. Venom. Yep. Uh, Halloween, which is like a sequel to the first Halloween movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Okay, that scared the bejeebus out of me when I saw it. Holy cow. Oh, that's so funny. So I watched it with the uh, the kids recently because they've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Then I thought it was scary. It's not really a horror movie. It's more of a thriller suspense movie. The uh, the gore in it's nothing. It really, it's almost PG-13 gore. Mm. If it wasn't for a couple little quick bits of nudity, this would be a PG-13 movie. I'm sure in today's times how we've been desensitized. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, but I'm just saying that it's not as gory as I, in my head, I thought it was more gory than what it was, but it's really not. It's more of a suspense movie. And the last movie I cannot wait to see is Bad Times at El Royale. Okay. That one in, I haven't seen any previews, but I haven't been to the movie theater in a while. And the reason why I'm excited about it is because it's written and directed by Drew Goddard. He used to work on Angel and Buffy. So still wasted on me. Still got nothing. 
He wrote Cloverfield. Sure he did. Still wasted on me. But hey, I did watch A Quiet Place on the plane as I was flying over it on my vacation. So what'd you think of it? The ending kind of made me mad, but that's okay. I can I can live with that. It kind of frustrated me. I appreciated the ending. And I did enjoy I, Tanya. I, wait, I, I needed to, I did watch that one. That one was fun. And then of course, I, I, re, I rewatched The Avengers. That's, I tell you what, being stuck on a plane for eight hours, you can see a lot of movies. I'll give it that. Yeah, you can. I actually need to rewatch that again. It's been, I, we, we watched Black Panther again. And I finally watched Deadpool 2 and that fell flat with me. I may need to go watch it again. I don't know why. I don't know why. Did you like the first one? Yeah, I liked the first one. I thought, oh, one thing I forgot when I was looking for the um, song today, there's this new app out and um, Ryan Reynolds is promoting it. And I think it's called um, Tiny Balls or Tiny something. I don't know. See, this is how bad. Tiny Balls? Balls. B-O-S-S. Oh, balls. <laughs> we must have a bad connection because I thought you said tiny balls, B-A-L-L-S. Anyway, he's promoting it. I was enjoying watching those commercials on YouTube over trying to find a song for this because he was funny doing it because he's got this one skit where somebody's he's playing the game and somebody is marionette his arms like the Muppets. And, and, and they're like, Ryan, this is becoming a problem. And he, the guy does his arm and he goes, no, it's not. And he goes, I'm, I'm hungry. My food's getting cold right now. And, and the guy does the little Muppet arms. Oh, well, don't spoil it. I'll go watch it. There's like five of these or six. It's, they're, they're funny. Tiny Boss on YouTube. Okay, or, or something check like that. that. I don't know. Just go to YouTube, but you got it blocked. So see, this is what I was afraid of. If I kept talking, I would be in trouble. So guess what? We're going to roll some dice. And we're going to take some names. That's how you end it, David Waybright. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We only have a few more months in this year's Pod Pledge campaign, so if you haven't given yet and you would like to, you can do so at podpledge.com slash RDTN, where the rewards include being part of our Slack channel, RDTN Dice, and our special RDTN Mason Jar. Normally, we try to find funny little bloopers to stick in here. Well, we didn't have any happen this show, so that's right, people. No, hold, hold on, hold on. I do. Right here. And welcome to another segment of Flying Squirrels. In this segment, Tony and I will like... Yes, we will. See, I told you I had one. We forgot to mention a game we played at Gen Con is on Kickstarter. Right now, it's one of the hottest games. It's number one at Board Game Geek, and that is Mezzo from Colossal Games. So if you haven't checked it out, Marty and I got to play it at Gen Con, and it was fun. It was good. It was like it was like Blood Rage mixed in with some other stuff. It has that kind of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, this has been out on Kickstarter probably about a week since this episode has dropped. I'm sure it's already funded. Go check it out. Tony and I really liked it. And uh, Tony, I'll be getting this game. Yes, I, I agree. It's, it's one of those games that I'm excited for. So be sure to check it out over at Kickstarter. And that is Mezzo. M-E-Z-O. <laughs> Not only does Miniature Market sell a ton of games and miniatures and accessories, but they also are your place where you can catch some incredible videos. Some videos by our good buddy, Rob. What's Rob's last name, Marty? (laughs) Oren. Rob Oren, that's right. And that other guy, that Marty... Connelson. Oh, yeah, that guy who did like a top 10 video. Yes, that he is 
going back to his roots to the Casey Kasem and doing long distance dedication. So if you haven't mm -hmm. checked out those videos, be sure you head over to the miniaturemarket.com and get a load of some of that incredible footage that's going on right there, Marty. Yeah, I was surprised when I came back and saw that. Mm -hmm. Good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in fact, uh, by the time this episode drops, I'll be working on the one for September. Will Key Forge be number one and two again? We'll find out. I was going to ask you what was number one. So Key Forge and Key Forge Starter, right? Yep. Key Forge Starter Set was number one. Key Forge Decks were number two. So be sure to head over to miniaturemarket.com and get your pre-orders in for Key Forge and save your money and not spend it on eBay where they're going for $75. Just wait, people. Just wait miniaturemarket.com. Mm -hmm.